One of the most terrible of the curses that we find, HaKadosh Baruch Hu warns, will befall the Jewish people if we do not, do not obey his word, if we don't listen to his mitzvahs, is cannibalism, eating children in particular. Pashas B'chukosei, V'achaltem B'sar B'neichem, V'v'sar B'noseichem T'ochelu. People will eat their sons and daughters. In the Tochachav Kisavo, we find even more graphic and more elaborate. V'achalta P'rivitnecha, B'sar B'nechu V'nosecha, Asher Nasan Lecha, Asher Melokecha. It says, people... Parents, gentle and uh, gentle parents, will suddenly become cold and hard. They won't even want to share their children when they eat them. Because they're cold, they won't want to share them with uh, with uh, pe- people. People will will stint their their brothers and their wives to to hoard the children for themselves, and so on. And uh, they'll eat them because the famine will be so desperate. We we actually find cases in Malachim. There was a case where a uh, when, when, when the king of Aram, Ben Haddad, the king of Aram, besieged Shomron, and there was a terrible famine, a woman, a woman told the king, and he said, a woman came to the king, and she said, uh, I need your help, O king, Hoshia Adoni HaMelech, and he asked, you know, what, 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 what's going on, what can, I, uh, you know, what can I do for you? She said, she has a complaint against her friend, they made a deal, they would split their children, they, they would share their children, each one would... Uh, would share her child to eat her child with the other woman. The other woman shared her child, and now she's holding back hers and not giving hers to me. The Melech, when he saw this, he, he, he appreciated how desperate the famine was. He tore Kriya, and so on. In Echo, we have him about this, about the Chorban. In Tochal Nashim Piriyam, Tipuchim, and we have Yidei Nashim Rachmanios, Bishalu Yaldehen, some of the, the most terrible Klolos, the, the terrible famine. Talmud has a story about this in Masechus Yoma, other, other Agadas about a woman who used to be so doted on her child, every, every, uh, she would measure him, she, she would, uh, she, every day she would measure him and how, how tall he was, and she would give that much gold to the weight that he gained, or to the, the she, 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 would, she would give gold to the, she would give gold, that much weight and gold to the base of Mikdash, and when the enemy, uh, when the enemy, besieged the city, and the enemy prevailed. It was a terrible famine. She actually shechted him and ate him. So one of the most terrible klalos is, the, is cannibalism, in particular, people eating their children. About a year and a half ago, we spoke about a sensational case in the 1970s, 1972. Uruguayan Air Force Flight 571. It was taking off from Uruguay. It was heading for Chile. It crashed in the Andes, apparently in Argentina, the edge of Argentina, just east of the border with Chile. The people survived on a, a dozen or so were killed in the crash, and a dozen or two more died later. But of the 45 passengers and crew, there were about a dozen who, who actually survived. The last of the 16 survivors were rescued two months after the crash. They, 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 they couldn't find the plane for a while. The people just they gave up. The people just survived on a glacier, on, you know, they, they survived starvation, exposure, and avalanche. Finally, a couple of survivors hiked. They climbed a 15,000-foot mountain peak without gear. They hiked for 10 days into Chile. They, fight, they traveled 38 miles. They got help, and uh, those who still survived were rescued. They had no food out there. They had extremely little food. Eight chocolate bars, a tin of mussels, three small jars of jam, a tin of almonds, a few dates, candies, dried plums, several bottles of wine. So they, they desperately tried to make the food go as long as it could, but they realized that they were going to be in big trouble. It was a glacier, it was a mountain, there was no vegetation, there were no animals. They tried to eat the airplane, the cotton wasn't, wasn't going well. Finally, they realized the only way they would survive was if they ate the, the, those who did not make it, if they ate their friends, and uh, if they ate the ones who had already died, it was the only way they could survive. They were apparently very from Christians, they had a very hard time doing it, some of them only were able to do it because they were convinced it was a form of sacrament, like, like they do with eating the, the body and blood of Yeshu. But they, they had a very, very hard time doing it. They were, they were upright people, apparently. But eventually they realized, they realized uh, as we would say, the Torah says, V'chai bahem, pikuach nefesh is, uh, is docha everything. If you have no choice, that's what you have to do, despite the fact that normally eating people is a terrible thing. And they survived, and they indeed survived. So... In our, in our previous year, about a year and a half ago, we spoke about, we discussed the tshuva of the Leva Avram, Rabbi Avram Weinfeld. He has a tshuva about 
uh, Uruguayan Air Force Flight 571. They asked him what, 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 would, what would be the halacha in that case. He wrote about it. We're going to study tonight another tshuva I came across. Also, that was prompted by, this was apparently a sensational international news story, the, a disaster story with at least a somewhat happy ending. So, another tshuva on the same topic. This one is by Rabbi Ephraim Ashri. Also written at that time, apparently. Rabbi Ephraim Ashri is the author of the She'elus and Tshuvas Mimamakim. Most, 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 most svarim of She'elus and Tshuvas are general works. They cover some or all the Arba Chalke Shulchan They have questions on all type, whatever they were asked. The She'elus and Tshuvas Mimamakim, from the depths, is a unique work. It's not, it's, not, it's not absolutely unique. There are one or two others like this, but it is a unique work in that it is Tshuvas involving situations that arose during the Holocaust. Rav Ashri survived the Holocaust. He was a Rav in Kovno. Kovno was a, was, was a great city, a great Jewish community. He was a kind of lieutenant. Uh, the Rav Ephraim Ashri was a kind of lieutenant of the, one of the Gedolei Hadar, Rabbi Avram Dov Kana Shapiro, Rabbi Avram Dov Ber Kana Shapiro, the Dvar Avram. He was a, uh, apparently a younger, a junior colleague of the, of the Kovno Rav, the Rabbi Avram Dov Ber Kana Shapiro. And in the Kovno Ghetto, in the Kovno Ghetto, when uh, he was already ill, he was older, I think, he was ill, and he, and he wasn't able to, to act as a post-sick at that time anymore, to, to f- fully fulfill, the, that's how Wikipedia puts it, fully fulfill his, his responsibilities as a post-sick, so he delegated Rav Ashri to answer, to be the Morahara, to answer Alachik Shailas in his place. So Shailas that arose in the Kovno Ghetto, in the concentration camps, he, he wrote down, he, he, he kept some kind of notes, he survived the war. I don't know the details of his personal story. I imagine he discusses it in his, uh, in his Sefer, but he survived the war, became a Rav in New York. He had a shul on the, he had a shul on the, for decades on the Lower East Side, and he put together these Sheilas that arose during the Holocaust as Sheilas Yitshuvas Mimamakim. Terrible, terrible stories. He, he gives the, he, we, we've touched on some of his stuff in the past about, in the introduction, he writes about a case of a father who, uh, whose son was going to be executed um, along with other people and he had the, he had the chance to, to bribe pay a bribe to get his son out but he knew they would take somebody else and he asked the, he asked the Rav Ashri if he should do that he's condemning another child to death and Rav Ashri couldn't answer so the father said uh, if you can't tell me it's Mutter I assume it's Asr and I'm going to give up my son you know, as a Karman Tashem if, if that's what the Torah says terrible terrible heartbreaking stories so one of, one of the Chuvas he wrote in Mimamakim was not actually composed during the Holocaust. It was composed in the 70s, and that's the tshuva we're going to study tonight. He was asked about Uruguayan Air Force Flight 571. This was apparently a, a sensational case, as we said. So the case, another Rav brought this case to his attention. He said that the, he was asked by a certain Rabbi Goldstein, the Maisa Hanora that occurred in Medinas, Chile, that a plane uh, crashed in the Andes, and most of the passengers died in the accident. Actually, it was only a not, most didn't die right away, but eventually, the, by, the, by, the time the, by the time weeks and months had passed, most were indeed dead. Uh, a minority survived, and they had no food. And they, and they the huge mountains, he says, B'nai Yud Aleph Elef Regal, more than 12,000 feet tall, 10 weeks, they, they, they couldn't get out. And to survive, to avoid starvation, they, they ate the dead, uh, they ate their dead, uh, the, the other passengers and crew of the plane. And he was asked, so this Rabbi Goldstein asked Rav Ashri in the, in the time of the Holocaust, the terrible Tsaros and the, the German occupation and so on, Jews were imprisoned in camps and so on, terrible, terrible famine. Was, were there ever cases like that where Jews, where, where imprisoned Jews ever had to resort to cannibalism, out of desperation, me'oni, me'choser, in order to survive, like the, like the ill-fated passengers of Uruguayan Air Force Flight 571. Did it ever happen in the camps, he said, the question was, and is it Mutter al-Piyadin? What's the halacha? The same question Rav, Rav Weinfeld discusses in the Lev Avram. He discusses, he was asked this question, what is the halacha? Did this ever happen historically in the Holocaust? We already mentioned, apparently, it did happen in the time of the Korban, but did it ever happen in the time of the Holocaust? And uh, what's the halacha? So just as a historical note, toward the end of the tshuva, he addresses the historical question. He says, He's going to come out that it's mutter, the pikuach nefesh, the kind of the common sense position that if it's literally a matter of life and death, pikuach nefesh is docha. But he says, nevertheless, he says, 
as far as he knows, Lokara Begeto Kovna, in the Kovna ghetto, he says, this never happened. And in the camps, the, the camps that were near Kovna, he says, this never happened, that Jews resorted to cannibalism. He, he, he says he does know, he says, he, 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 he did hear that near the Jewish ghettos, the Jewish camps, he says, near, near the, the forced labor camps of the Jews, there was also a camp of Russian POWs. Machne Shel Chayalim Rusiim Shvuyim, Russian captured soldiers. And Jews told him, he heard secondhand, Jews told him that they saw that these Russian soldiers uh, made a fire and they ate a, a, a Russian soldier who had died uh, and they ate him. Again, we're not talking about actually killing anybody to, to eat him. That, that's a whole different uh, situation. We're talking about people who are dead anyway. You might as well, uh, you can't help them. They might as well help you. So the Russians apparently did it at least once, he heard. But the Jews, he said, in Kovno, in the area of Kovno, never did it. And he says, and this other of, this Rabbi Goldstein, he says, he was in uh, Theronstadt. He says he never heard or saw of such a thing that Jews should resort to cannibalism. So even though, again, we know in the Chorban apparently they did, but in the Holocaust, according to these, uh, these Rabbanim who were, who, who were survivors, who had been through the camps, the ghettos and the camps, they never saw or heard of a case of, uh, of, of, of Jews during the Holocaust resorting to cannibalism to survive. What actually is the halacha, though? So, again, previously we went through the Lev Avram's analysis. Now we're going to discuss Rabbi Ashri's analysis. Rabbi Ashri's analysis is relatively straightforward. He begins with a discussion of what exactly is the, the prohibition of cannibalism according to the Torah. Now, again, we're not discussing the question of killing somebody. That's murder. We're discussing someone's already dead, and you want to eat the person who's dead. So what is the, the halachic perspective on cannibalism? It is surprisingly unclear. It is surprisingly unclear. There, the, much of the discussion revolves around a passage in the Talmud Bavli, as well as in the Taras Karnam. The Chazal say, Chazal bring a b'risa, both in the Bavli and in the Taras Karnam. It says, according to Argirsa, it says, Yochel chalev tame. We might think that milk of humans is tame, is, is not kosher. We might think, in other words, the halacha normally is milk of kosher animals like cows or goats or sheep is kosher, of course. Milk of non-kosher animals like camels or pigs or donkeys is non-kosher. What's the halacha of human milk? Human milk is fundamentally kosher. In certain cases, you're not supposed to drink it. There are certain rules but not drinking it in certain ways. But meikra din, midaraisa, it is kosher. The b'risa says, you might think the milk of mahal chishtayim, of human beings, is tame. Vidinhu. You might try to derive a kalachomer. The, 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 the chazal get into some technical hermeneutics. You might think it's a kind of kalachomer from, from animals, from a, from a, uh, from a behemoth mea, that, the, that with non-kosher animals, the milk is tame, so you might think that certainly a person's milk should be tame. Talmud Lomar, the bris and the gemara brings the drasha. Esa gomol kimala geiruhu, the gomol is tame, and its milk is tame. We, it says who, it says the word who, it, it is a miut, hu tame. The camel is tame, but we have a miut that the milk of Mahalcheshtayim, human milk, is not tame elatar, so the milk is kosher. You might think that applies to milk. What about dam? What about the dam of a human being, blood of a human being? So the Gemara says, Ella, Gemara says, Tamalamar hu, hu tame, vein dam Mahalcheshtayim tame. The dam of Mahalcheshtayim is not tame again, elatar. So blood of a human is not tummy. Blood of an animal, of course, is, uh, tummy hair means non-kosher. Blood, of, a, blood of, a, of an animal, even a kosher animal, is asher. That's why we have elaborate rules of malicha, of uh, elaborate rules of malicha, how to salt an animal and roast it to, to get out the blood. But blood of mahal the Gemara says, is not asher, it is mutter. This Gemara is not the last word on the subject, uh, uh, not the last word on the topic, there are actually post-Musay, there is an Isser of human blood. They talk about if you bite your lip and blood gets on the bread, or, 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 or your blood comes out of your mouth, are you allowed to swallow that blood? It might be, be midrabbanant. There are actually some possibly surim involving human blood, but fundamentally on a derisa level, the Gemara says, according to Argyrus in the Gemara, the Gemara dashes from the word who, a technical or hermeneutic drasha in the parasha of Kashrus. It says that we dash from the word who, that the milk and, that the milk and the the milk and the, and the blood of a human being is not Oscar Midaraisa. 
Rav Shesha says, Afilo mitzvah's prisha ain't bo. It's not even Asher Midrabanan, it's not even a mitzvah's prosh, which is a mitzvah drabanan. It is totally mutter. There's no Isser of milk, there's no Isser of dam of a person. The, the Gemara brings this price and asks on an earlier, earlier opinion in the Gemara. The Gemara says that beyond a certain age, a child is not allowed to nurse. There, there are different opinions. Uh, some say once he stops nursing, he's not allowed to restart. But, but the Gemara brings certain halachas about a child after a certain point is not supposed to nurse. The Gemara says, what do you mean? We just darshan that the milk is, milk is mutter, so what's the Isser? Why should a katsun be asked to nurse at any point? So the Gemara says that the had to parish, had to low parish, Milk, once it's been milked in a, in a cup, in a bottle, is mutter. When we said that at a certain point the child should nurse, that means nursing from the mother directly. That that, 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 Madrabanan maybe is usher. That's, uh, that's an isser, but in general, Alpi Din Torah, the milk and the blood of a human being is mutter. Now, according to this Girsa, the Gemara is not directly discussing a person himself, the flesh of a person himself. It says his milk and, his, and, and the milk of a person and the blood of a person is mutter, and the Gemara is silent on the, the, Gemara is silent on the, on the question of the, of the buster. Tosis brings another girsa. He says in Taras Kanim, the girsa, the girsa of the, we have a similar brisa, and the girsa is buster. And the Gemara says that, that, that the buster is mutter. The, the, Gemara, is, the Gemara is being darish. That the busser of a that 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 the that that, that the Gemara, that the, Gemara is, the, the midrash in Taras Kana was being darish that the busser of a of a human being is mutter. So according to Tosfos, busser according to, according to the Bavli that we have, the Gemara is not clear on on, on what the status of busser is. Is it asher midaraisa or not? According to Tosfos, we the the halacha is that the that, that, that the, according to Tosfus, the halacha is that Basar Adam is mutter, it is not Asr at least Midaraisa. It's, it's not Asr at least Midaraisa. The Rambam says, Ravashi brings all this, the Rambam says that Basar Adam is Asr Midaraisa. The Rambam has a curious opinion. The Rambam says that he agrees in the Taras Khanim, it does say that there is no, that there is no losasay, that the regular losasay, the, the negative commandment against eating non-kosher food does not apply to Basar Adam, but it still is usher as an assay. According to the Rambam, the, when the Torah tells you what should you eat, you should eat animals that have split hooves and chew their cuds. That, that's, an, that's a mitzvah assay. The only type of fauna you should eat are those that fit into this category, that are ruminant animals with split hooves. Anything else that, that's not a ruminant animals with split hooves is usher, and that certainly applies to non-kosher animals like horses and pigs. That's a losase as well. That's a losase of, uh, of don't eat anything that doesn't have the simonim. But a human being, he says, even though the adam is called nefesh chaya, it does not have split hooves, he says. It's not a ruminant either. And therefore, it is, um, he says, it's, uh, since it's not a hooved animal, it doesn't, it doesn't have the losase of the of don't eat animals with uh, of, of of don't eat animals with of don't eat animals that, that don't have split hooves, so it doesn't have the low sasay. However, the Rambam says it does have the mitzvah sasay because the Torah says these are the things you should eat. These are the things you should eat. The the and it lists seven chayas and anything that's a, that's a chaya that's not on this list you should not eat. Lava mechala say that when the Torah says, eat this, it implies don't eat that. That is called a lav haba say, an implicit prohibition. The Torah says, do this, it implicitly tells you, and, and don't do that. That is called an, an, a lav haba say. So according to the Rambam, my mission discusses where he gets this from in terms of the Midrash, how we saw this in the Midrash, but, the, but this is the sheet of the Rambam, that eating humans is not the low sase of eating non-kosher animals, but it is, it is a lav haba say. When the Torah told you, eat these kosher animals, the Torah is implicitly telling you any other animal that's not one of the kosher animals is usher as in lava b'chalala say. Humans fall into this category. They are animals that don't meet the Torah's criteria for kosher animals. And therefore, there is, there is, a, there is a mitzvah daraisa not to eat humans, according to the Rambam. Magad Mishnah says, what's one of the... the what's, one of the Ram, what's one of the Rambam's proofs from Chazal? The proof is the Gemara has a whole debate as to whether the milk or the blood of a the milk or the blood of an animal is usher, and we we would have thought they were usher. We had to have we, we had to have a drasha that it's mutter. 
So the, why would you think it's Asr? It must be because the person himself is Asr. And that's why, that's why the Torah has to say that the, that the, I'm sorry, the, the Magnus says it a little differently. He says, the Torah's Kahnim says, you might think the Basra Mahalche is a Losa say, so we darshan that it's not. Why would you think it's, uh, if it's totally Mutter, it's, it's not, the Torah's not talking about it at all. The Rambam held it, that it's not a Losa say, but it is an Asay. And that's why the Torah had to say that it's not a losa say, because it is Asur, it is Midaraisa. Uh, but it's not a losa say. That, that's what the Torah's Kodim is coming to tell you. That, that, that you might think it's a losa say, but the. But Kamashala, no, it's only an Asay. But it's something it is. It, it, it is Asur. Other Rishonim say it's Mutter. They bring a proof that we have a general halacha that Hayotim and Atame Tame, Hayotim and Atar Tar. Anything that is uh, produced by a Tame animal has a status of Tumah. Things like eggs and milk are tummy. Things that come out of a tar animal are tar. So if, if, human, if you, humans don't lay eggs, but if human milk and human, and, and human things and human blood is mutter, that must indicate that the human himself is mutter, because if the, if the human was usser, then his, the things that come out, like the milk, should be usser as yotzim and atame. What does the Rambam hold? The Rambam held that that's only when it's a real los essay, since it's only an isser essay, then there is, we don't apply the rule that hayotzi minat tamei tamei, hayotzi minat tar tar. Okay, so we have the Shittas Arambam. So again, stepping back from all the technical drushes of the Gemara, and the, the Taras Kanim, the Rishonim, we have Shittas Arambam that eating, eating a human, eating human flesh is an Isra say, it's a laughable machal say, so it's Asr, it's not, you don't get Malchus for it, it's not a Losa say, it's not a negative commandment, but it is Asr, Midaraisa. We have the Shittas of other Rishonim that it's Mutter, it's not Daraisa. Within the general camp of Rishonim that say it's not Daraisa, some say it's totally Mutter, others say it's Asr Midrabanan. So, so there we have three Shittas. We have the Rambam who says it's Asr Midaraisa as a Mitzvah Saseh, but not a Lo Saseh. We have some Rishonim who say it's Asr Midrabanan. We have other Rishonim who say it is totally Mutter. A fourth Shitta is the Shitta of the Ra'ah. The Ra'ah says it actually is a Lo Saseh, it is a bona fide Lo Saseh. He says he has a different Girsa in the. He, 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 had, he, 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 had, he has a different gears than the Taras Khanim. His gear says the Taras Khanim is only talking about blood, is not talking about Basar. Basar actually is Asr Midaraisa, as a low say. So there are four Shittas. Altogether, we have four Shittas. The Ra'ar of Aaron Halevi, he says that it's a bona fide low say, just like eating non kosher animals. We have the Rambam that it's Asr Midaraisa, but only as a Mitzvah not as a Mitzvah Losa say. We have some Rishonim who say it's Asr, not Midaraisa, Midrabanan. Other Rishonim who say that it is totally mutter. How do we paskin? Different Akronim paskin different ways. Shulchan Aruch leaves out this discussion totally, from which the Prichadosh infers that he holds its mutter. The, the Taz wonders why the Shulchan Aruch left out the Machlokas. Prichadosh says he left it out because, because he paskins that it's mutter. So he doesn't bring it. Anything that's on us is mutter. So he doesn't bring it at all. The Ramah paskins like the Rambam. The Ramah says, Besar Adam, Asr Lachlam and Atara means the Rambam, the Ran Paskins that way, even though many we showed him say it's not Midaraisa, maybe most we showed him say it's not Daraisa, nevertheless the Ramah Paskins like the, the Shita that says maybe not a Lav Daraisa, not the Ra'ah, but at least the Rambam that it's a Mitzvah say Midaraisa. Other we showed him, other we showed him that say it's not Asr say it's, uh, other we other, other showed him say it's, it's not Asr Midaraisa, only Midrabanan, or maybe, or, or, or maybe, or, or maybe not, or maybe not even Midrabanan, but of the Ishitas, the Shulchan the Shulchan, the Ramah, the Shulchan doesn't bring it. The Ramah paskins that it's Asr Minatara, like the Rambam. The Prichadosh paskins that it's Mutter, at least Midaraisa. Does he paskin with Mutter even Midrabanan? Um, the Prichadosh says that in his opinion, he has a long discussion of all the Shitas and the Rishonim, and he says that it is, that it is, uh, he brings the Rishonim that it's Mutter even Midrabanan, the Chay Nira Bedasa Tur, the Machaber, that they left it out. But they hold this mutter, totally mutter. So, it's totally mutter. And the Shach, however, brings a Chumrah. The Shach says that the Ramah is passing like the Rambam, that it's a Mitzvah Zaseh, but not a Lo Zaseh. However, the Shach says that's only Basar that's Parish Ben Adam Kishuchai. That's Basar that was detached from a person while the person is alive. For an animal, that would be called Eber Menachai. For a person, that's mutter. However, Basra Mace, if the person died and then you want to eat him, that is Asr Bahana, Tvartara Lakuli Alma. That is a Isr Daraisa Lakuli Alma. Mace is Asr Bahana. 
There's a question whether this applies to non-Jews as well, but a mace of a, a Jewish mace is definitely Asr Bahana. And therefore, this whole discussion in the Rishonim and the Taraskanim and the Bavli, all about whether you're allowed to eat the, the busser of a person, that's only if he lost some of his busser surgically or in an accident while he was still alive. But in the more common case, where the person's dead already, then his busser absolutely is Asr Midaraisa, it's Asr even Bahana. The Kuli Alma the Shach says that the, not everyone agrees. Rabbi Ashri himself brings that there are poskim who say, who, there are poskim who disagree with the Shach, who say that the, who say that the, he says that he, 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 bring, he brings in the course of his tshuva that, that the, in the, that, that, in the, that, that in the course of the tshuva he says, even though the Shach and the Ramban say this, that, 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 that once he dies, his busser is also by now according to everyone. Many posts, he says, disagree. He brings various Rishon who disagree. So, getting back to our case, in Uruguay and Air Force Flight 571, or the cases of the Horbun, if people are already dead, can you eat them? Or the cases in the Holocaust, where, where people have already succumbed to, uh, and died, can you eat them? To say, it's, can you eat them? So, Ravashri says, we have a lot of shitas. We have the, we have, he calls it three shitas, it's actually four shitas. We have the, we have the shita that it's Asr, Midarai says, Alosa say, the Ra'ah, Shitas Rambam that it's Asr Midaraisa as an Asay, Shitas of other Rishon that it's not Asr Midaraisa within that, within that third Shita. We further have two Shitas, whether it's Asr Midarabanan. He brings the Shulchan Aruch, he brings the Shach, he brings Machlokas about whether the Machlokas about whether the whether, whether the, the, the whether the Shach is right or not, whether the Isra Hana applies to uh, Midaraisa, applies to the to, to Basra that, that came detached from the mace after the mace is dead. What, one of the early tshuvas they bring on this is, I, I was thinking of going through this one, but it was a very technical tshuva, so I didn't do it, is a tshuva of the Rashbash, Rabbi Shlomo ben Shimon Duran. Rabbi Shimon ben Semach Duran was the Tashbats, the Rashbats, the Tashbats, and his son, Rabbi Shlomo ben Shimon Duran, was the Rashbash, one of the great poskim in North Africa 500 years ago, five 600 years ago. He has a tshuva going through all the different shitas in Basra Mes, and he brings a... Very, very, uh, somewhat disturbing, somewhat obscene minhag. He says that there was a minhag that some, that some women have that they would eat the arla. After a baby had a brismila, they would eat the arla. It was believed to be a skula for fertility. He says they would, he says that, they would, sw- they would eat, they would swallow the arla that was removed during the mila, as a skula to have male offspring, says the Rashbash that is wrong, that he says that the, it's, it's Asr, what, what, what they're doing is Asr. He says, yeah, according to Tosfus, that it's only an Isidrabana, an Xera, it's Mutter, because there's no Xera here, it doesn't look like uh, non-kosher meat, but according to many Shittas, it's Asr, and, and, and many later posts are quite strict about this, because they're, they're not passing like the Rambam, we have the Rambam, we have, we have Risharim, that it's Daraisa. So this, this skula is a somewhat controversial skula, might be controversial for other reasons, but one reason it's controversial, a halachic reason, is because Besar Adam, according to some Rishonim at least, and according to the Ramah, is an Isra Daraisa. Akal Padam says Rav Ashri, so what should we say about the Holocaust, about these cases? Nevertheless, he, he, after going through these very yeshitas with, uh, with, with, uh, with uh, impressive Bikiyas, impressive erudition, he nevertheless concludes the obvious conclusion, Nira Ali, that in extremists, in a case like the Holocaust, it is nevertheless permitted to eat human flesh to save your life because of the general rule that the everything is set aside for, to save lives. For Bikok Nefesh, you do whatever you have to do except for the three cardinal sins idolatry, sexual transgression, murder. That's how we pass him. Even if it's a suffix, even if it's only a suffix, we do any Avera, we drive. We drive uh, we drive a woman who's in childbirth to the hospital on Shabbos. She'll probably survive if she gives birth at home. It's only a suffix, but it's, it's a chance. a chance. We take her to the hospital. And Besaradim, he says, certainly when it comes to the history of cannibalism, he says, many shitas say, even though some shitas say it's Daraisa, but it's not as serious as Elosa say, there's no Malchus, and according to other Rishonim, certainly according to other Rishonim, that it's, only, that it's, only, that it's, uh, that it's not even Drabanan, it's not Daraisa, it's not even Drabanan, so Nicey says it's, it's Pashut that if a person is in danger of his life, as in, as in the case of Uruguay and Air Force Flight 71, or as cases in the Holocaust, it is Pashut that it is permitted to 
eat a uh, eat a, a body uh, to eat a to eat a deceased person in order to save your life. Again, the, the, it, it, once a person's dead, according to many shittas, it's deraisa, it's, it's isur hana. But even there, there's a machlokus. And even if it isn't, even if it isn't isur deraisa, it's not one of the gimel chamuros, and therefore it is pashut that we uh, that you're allowed to do it to save your life. When we discussed the tshuva of the Lev Avram, we put, the Lev Avram was concerned with the fact that it's not actually so simple that you're allowed to do this history to save your life. And the reason, he's, the reason he, he considers it even worth talking about is because there is, like Ravashri says, that because Nefesh is Docha, all other, all other Isurim in the Torah, most Isurim in the Torah. However, the, the Lev Avram discussed a tshuva of the Binyan Tzion. Binyan Tzion, Rav Yaakov Etlinger, one of the great postkim in Germany in the 19th century. Binyan Tzion has an incredible chiddush that when we say that pikuach nefesh overrides all mitzvahs in the Torah, that only means ritual mitzvahs, mitzvahs benadim l'makam, Shabbos, Kashrus, and so on. But anything benadim l'chavero, stealing from somebody else, infringing on the rights of somebody else, that's, that's a whole different story. You can't harm somebody else to save your life. It's actually a machlok as we shown him, apparently. It seems to be a machlok as we shown him. Shulchan Aruch actually paskins that you could. The question is, can you steal to save your life? Shulchan Aruch paskins that you should. You could. But even the Shulchan Aruch says, you're allowed, to, you, you're allowed to take it, but you can't have in mind to steal it. You have to take it and intend to repay it, to repay it when, you, when you can. So says the, says the Binyan Tzion, even according to that sheet, even according to the sheet of Tosfus, which the Shulchan Aruch is bringing here, that you're allowed to take it, you have to take it intending to repay it. If it's a mace, if, you, if you're talking about nivola mace or eating a mace, he says, that's something you can never repay. That's something uh, nivola mace is usher. So forget the isser of Basaradam, which is a kashrus issue. If, if there's an issue of nivola mace, if you're disrespecting the dead, that's something you'll never be able to repay. And according to the Binyan even if your life is at stake, you have to give up your life. Says the Lev Avram, that's absolutely not correct. That's the, we don't pass it like that. It's wrong. And therefore he, he, he rejects that shita. Ramosha Feinstein says, of course you can do Nivala Mace to save your life. Rashi seems to say you can't. It can't be what Rashi means, he says. It's just completely untenable. And most posts can indeed assume that even when, you, even when there's another person involved, even a dead person who you'll never be able to repay, when your life is at stake, preserving life is still more important than respecting the, respecting the, the dead remains of a human being. And uh, Rabbi Ephraim Ashri in Chuvas Mimamakim doesn't even raise this issue. He just says it's pashut that pikuach nefesh overrides other isurim. So even if pesar adam is aser, it would be mutter b'makom pikuach nefesh, and certainly uh, it's not so clear that it's aser. There are shitas that it's mutter, and therefore Rav Ashri says once again it is a, an open and shut case as a matter of halacha. If you're that desperate that your life is at stake, even if it's only a safek, basically you'd be allowed to eat human flesh if necessary to preserve your life. Then he adds the historical note we mentioned earlier. He says it never happened in the Kovner Ghetto, he says, or the nearby areas. The Russians did it, Jews never did it, and so on. And then he writes that he writes something very interesting. He writes, Ba'al Yisrael Gavaso B'Tzedek. Hashem is proud of his nation, the Jews, and rightfully so, he says, because he says, on the one hand, aimless shire of aimless tire. We can't conceive, we can't describe the enormity of the famine, how, how desperate they were in the concentration camps, he says. And hunger is the worst thing, because I'll say that Lushan. Nevertheless, he says the Israel never descended from their kedusha, the, the, the kedusha of a human being, the dignity and the they never lost their humanity. He says Not even once. They never ate uh, human flesh. They never resorted to cannibalism. The Torah says the Anche Kodesh Hashem charges us to be holy people. That we're considered Hashem's if we stay away from things which are. Shikutse Nevelos and Trefus, he says. And yes, those who were imprisoned in the concentration camps, they still wanted to be a Kashbarku's people. They wanted to be Moser Nefesh to preserve their Kedusha and their Tara. They would rather die and not to eat, not to engage in cannibalism. Shomos, Vitaimo Kibisar Chazir, Afshitam Meshubach, etc. I don't really understand his conclusion. Does he, again, the Chazal he brings, but Anche Kodesh Tiyunli is talking about eating things like tray food. Does he really mean that even in the ghetto they would rather die than eat tray food? That pashas is not lahalacham. The, the, to, to die, if the life was really at stake, to die rather than eating, eating tray food is, is just wrong. You're not supposed to do that. In certain cases, if, they, if the non-Jews are trying to cause you to sin, 
maybe there's a heter of Kiddush Hashem, but, uh, but uh, maybe then you're supposed to, but just to say, because of this drush of Anche Kodesh Tiyunli, that, that they were not going to, I don't know if he means cannibalism is worse, worse than other trefers, or he means they wouldn't eat any tray food, even when their lives were at stake. But anyway, this is what Rav Ashri says, that even though Meikra Din, it is clearly mutter, nevertheless, the Jews are a holy people, the Jews, even in the most desperate circumstances, wanted to remain Hashem's chosen people, they wanted to retain their status of Kedusha, and therefore, he says, they never resorted to cannibalism. Robert Grossman? Yes. So, following on your point of, of a little bit of discomfort with, with his opinion, if it is Mutar, then wouldn't there be a Chiv? Yes. Yes. So, the halacha generally is that the, 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 the halacha generally is that, that if something is Yavar Val Yeharig, if you're allowed to violate an issue to save your life, you're Mechiv to do so. If a person says, my, you know, my wife is in labor, I would rather be from and not drive to the hospital, even if she says that herself, forget the husband, even if she says that, that's wrong. You, you, you're not allowed to do that. There, there, there is a major machlokas we shown him. In a case where a non-Jew is trying to force you to do an Avera, but it's not one of the, the cardinal Averas, and it's not a Shas Hashmad, just a, a non-Jew says, I, you know, I really want you to, to do this for me, and if you don't do this, I'm going to kill you. So there, there's machlokes we shown him whether you should whether whether it's it's usher to give up your life or whether it's a mitzvah to give up your life. You don't have to. It's not one of the three cardinal averes. The Rambam paskins that it's absolutely wrong to give up your life. It's a form of suicide and and it's, it's a sin to do that. Other we shouldn't say no. If, if if you tell the non-Jew, look how look look how important Torah is to me. I will not do it. Torah, Hashem's will is to me. I will not do it even if I lose my life. That's a kiddush Hashem and it's a kaddish yomer lo. That's a mitzvah. So that's a machlokes. But, but all Rishonim agree, the Pashtas is, all Rishonim agree, that when there's no non-Jew involved, that there's no threat, that there's nobody trying to get you to do an Avera, you're just sick or something like that, and the doctor says, you have to eat this pig, you have to eat this Nevela, or you're going to die, and you say, I'm very firm, I'm not going to do it, all, virtually all posts can agree that, you must, that, you're, that not only are you allowed to eat it, you must eat it, and it's an Avera not to eat it. It's absolutely wrong. It's a, that, that's a chasen shota. You're mechayif to do it. And, and that's why, that, 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 that was what I meant to allude to. I'm not really sure, I, I don't really understand Rav Ashri's position. If the, unless he felt that the, that the whole situation in the concentration camps is like one big Shas Hashmad, where the Germans were trying to, in, in a general systematic way, to dehumanize Jews and to take away their religion as much as possible, he may have felt that it falls into that category. He doesn't say that, at least not in this tshuva. Yeah, so I'm not really sure about his logic, but yes, in general, if a person is sick and the doctor says that you need to do this to, uh, to save your life, it's wrong, it's, a, it's, it's completely against Torah not to do that. There is, there is one tshuva in the tshuva Sabin Nezer by the Nezer's father, who had argued that, that there is basis for not, for not eating the tray food. He had, an, uh, he had an, uh, an elaborate and very, very bold and creative position that since, uh, since there's a famous sheet to the Ramban, that when a person's sick, he should really, ideally, not go to doctors at all, he should really just go to the Navi and seek out the spiritual root of his malady, even though it's mutter for us to go to doctors, but if a person's on a high madrega, he can just try to, he can try to see to the spiritual roots of his malady, and even if you're not a person who would do that in general, but if you want to do that at least when it comes to non-kosher food, you want to say, I would rather daven tashem and try to fix my problem that way, he argues you can do that, but I, my, my impression is that is very much a minority view, and that most posts can say that, almost all posts can say, that if, if there's no non-Jews involved, if there's no issue of uh, standing up to a non-Jew who's trying to get you to do an Avera, then it's absolutely wrong, and it's usher to be machmer, to be machmer when your life is at stake. Yes, so, so I don't really understand, the, again, I'm certainly not judging anyone in the Holocaust who did one way or another, but I, I certainly don't understand, I, 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 do, I definitely do not understand Rav Ashri's logic that it was a praiseworthy thing to not eat human flesh, even if it was mutter. I, I do want to discuss another related point, though, and this is something that is profoundly fascinating, one of the most fascinating things I've ever seen. And that is a, a, a radical, radical position of at least two great recent Achronim. One of them is the, one of them is the Dar Ravi, Rabbi Glasner. A, uh, the, the, Dar, the Dar Ravi is a classic commentary on Chulin. But it is also a. Uh, it, 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 besides, be, besides being a. Besides being a Ramosha Shmuel Glasner, besides being a, a great classic commentary on Chulim, which I have to admit, even though I'm learning Chulim, I'm not so familiar with it, he also has a, a famous introduction where he, has, he discusses all kinds of interesting theological points about the nature of Torah and the nature of morality. And he says some rather radical things there. 
some, some, very, uh, some very provocative things there. And one of the things he says, this is apparently widely quoted, although I wasn't really familiar with it, one of the things he says is concerns cannibalism. Cannibalism is just an example. He's really dealing with much more uh, fundamental and broad questions of Torah and morality. He's discussing kind of the notion of natural law, the notion that beyond the formal prescriptions of the Torah, there's what we would call a natural law, an innate, inherent morality that people can discern and, and society, humans, fail in general. And he says that sometimes, he says the radical, he takes the radical view that sometimes prohibitions that are not even explicit in the Torah or are not such severe prohibitions in the Torah can actually be considered more serious and more severe of of a prohibition than something that isn't explicitly prohibited in the Torah. He gives a couple of of examples, and one of his examples is cannibalism. He says, says, let's say you have the following case. A person is a cholish, yesh basakana, he's dying. It's a very kind of artificial contrived case, but uh, just work with me on this. Work with us on this. He says there's a a person is a cholish yesh He has a choice of two things he has to eat. He has to eat non-kosher food, trefa, nevela, or human flesh. He has to eat one or the other. Re- regular wholesome kosher chicken soup is not, is, he doesn't have or is not going not gonna to work for him. He has to either eat treif meat or he has to eat human flesh. Which one should he choose, he says. Now, if you make a, cal- a formal calculation based on the chomer of the iser, Tray food is worse. Tray food is a lav according to all opinions. Basar Adam, many posts can say it's not derisa at all. Even if it is derisa, the Rambam paskins that it's not a that, that it's, it's not a lav. It's only an assay. Only the Ross says it's a lav. But on balance, he says, tray food, tray animals are much more treif than, than than human flesh. He says, he says, are you going to tell me you should do that? He says, absolutely not. Is that even conceivable? He says, absolutely not. Hayal al hadas that us the am he says am chacham v'navon will violate this what he calls chokanimus hazed this kind of natural morality in order to avoid an iser Torah atma does that make any sense at all he says absolutely not clearly he says you should eat the it's self evident he says you should eat the non kosher meat rather than eat a human being and the same position is taken by a much more mainstream authority Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky. This is less well-known. Many people quote Rav Glasner, but I saw they bring Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky as well. It takes the same position. Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky also is discussing the idea of natural morality, the idea that the Hashem expects things of people even if they're not explicitly demanded in the Torah. And he says, Alpi Yisodzeh, Nira, if, uh, again, the same kind of somewhat contrived case, but if a Chola, Chola Sheesh Prasakana, he means Lachara, has a choice between eating human flesh or Nevela, meat that wasn't checked properly, he should eat the nevela, he says, not the human flesh, because human flesh, what he calls cannibalism, kufnun yud beis lamad yud zayin mem, he says the issue is not from the Torah. The issue, the issue is from sechel ayasher. There's an innate, uh, deep sense of natural morality. He says a person should, a person should. The cannibalism is just worse, even though, even though in terms of the formal balance of the surim and the Torah, then uh, non-kosher food is worse. But that's not that's not how we look at it. That this is just natural morality, which is even greater than the, the Isurim and the Torah, and therefore you should rather eat the Nevela than eat the, than eat the, non, than, than eat the human flesh. This is a very, very provocative doctrine. Where do you draw the line? Can you just override Isurim in general because you have natural morality that, uh, because you, you feel natural morality is different? Who decides? I mean, even if it's universal, does that mean you can just not do things the Torah says because, because, you're, because natural morality is... Uh, Natural morality says differently. I, when, when I was looking into this general topic, I came across an essay by Rabbi Dr. Alan Brill. He says that in, in Rav Amital, one of the two great Rashi Yeshiva at the Gush, apparently was a, was, was a big believer in the idea of natural morality, and he used to quote the... and, and, and he used to quote the... He, he, and, and he used, he used to quote this... Uh, he used to quote this, uh, this, this passage of the, of, of, of the Doravi as, uh, as, as, as a paradigm of this. Rav Mital himself wasn't convinced that in the, as a matter of halacha, of, of Glasner is right. He thinks he may have gone, gone too far as halacha, but still you see the, the paradigm of natural morality. Then Brill goes on and he says that, he says that there were, uh, in Gush Etzion circles, he says, there are two stories of moral challenges that contrast Rav Mital with Rav Lichtenstein, Rav Aaron Lichtenstein. He says, 
The first question is, what would you do if there was a, uh, there's a non-Jew whose life is at stake? You're on a desert island, nobody will know, it won't create any question of Eva or Chil Hashem. If he dies, no one's going to live to tell the tale. Should you be Michal Shabbos to save a non-Jew's life? According to classic halacha, the answer would seem to be no, unless it's a question of Eva, then you don't do it. In practice, we say there's always Eva. Many post Rosh Feinstein say Eva's always a concern. So in practice, there's usually a question of Eva. But in theory, desert island, thought experiment, there's no Eva. Should you be Michal Shabbos to save, your, save his life? The pastures of the answer is no. So according to Brill, the, 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 they tell the story that Rav Lichtenstein and Rav Amital both said they would do it, but they, they would save the non-Jew, but they both explained, that they, they, they expressed their positions differently. Rav Lichtenstein said he would save the guy as a universal mar, moral imperative, but he would then have to do tshuva for Chil Shabbos. Rav Amital would say, no, I would save the guy, and I would not need, feel the need to do any tshuva, because I'm doing Ratzon Hashem. So both of these positions are, uh, are very provocative and somewhat problematic. Uh, Rav Amital's position that violating the halacha because you think that that's Ratzon Hashem, that's the road to uh, non-orthodoxy, deciding that, you know, that the halacha doesn't always correctly express Ratzon Hashem and you can discard the halacha because you know better than the, than the halacha. Is a, again, this is, a, Rabbi, this is Brill telling an, an anonymously attributed story in, in Gush circles. I have no idea if this is true, but uh, the story as told is deeply disturbing in terms of Rav Amital's position. Rav Lichtenstein's position is puzzling as well. He would do it, he agrees it's Chil Shabbos, and he has to do tshuva, but he would do it anyway, and then do tshuva. I mean, echtev ashuv is a, a terrible thing. If you really think it's a chait, why are you doing it? We've discussed in the past, there is occasionally we find such a notion that there is such a thing as a chait that's the right thing to do, but you need to do tshuva. We mentioned that the, 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 the Gemara has an example of this. It says that if a person has a bad dream on Shabbos, he can fast tanis chalom, even on Shabbos, but then he has to fast another fast day, afterward because of the Avera fasting on Shabbos. So even though fasting on Shabbos is the right thing to do, because it's effective to helping to cure and correct his dream, it's still an element of an Avera and you still have to do tshuva for it. A very, very strange idea. We don't find this very often, but the Gemara does, 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 does give this example. Tosis brings a, a similar idea. Tosis is trying to reconcile different opinions as to whether Nazir is, uh, as to whether a Yoshe Batanis or a Nazir Someone who abstains from wine or abstains from food voluntarily. Is he a chote? Is he a tzaddik? The Gemara brings different opinions. A chote, a chassid, a tzaddik. Tosis is trying to reconcile a contradiction in the position of Shmuel, I think. And Tosis says, it could be this is the same idea. It's both. You're a chote and a, and a tzaddik. It's a mitzvah, but it also involves a chet. And, therefore it, and even though it's the right thing to do, it involves chet. And therefore you have to do, and therefore you need a kapara. You need a karban, a kapara. Very, very strange idea. And it's not one that we normally apply in halacha. But according to this alleged story, this was Ravar Lichtenstein's position about what you do when a universal moral imperative clashes with the halacha. You do what the universal morality tells you, but then you have to acknowledge that you, that you did wrong. Again, a very, very difficult doctrine to accept. This kind of antinomian or uh, this idea that we can just override Torah for universal moral imperatives. But the... But the... Right, so the Brill first tells this story. And then he tells a story about what should you do, should you eat human flesh or pork, human flesh or something awesome. So he says, uh, he, I, I, he doesn't tell this very clearly, but it sounds like he's saying that Rav Lichtenstein held, Isser is Isser, the halacha is the halacha, we have to do what the halacha says, pork is worse than human flesh. So you have to, so he implies Rav Lichtenstein would say you eat the pork. Rav Amital says, he almost shouts out from his soul that human flesh should be repulsive to everyone's natural senses, Morality, and you, should, and you should eat the pork rather than the, rather than the, rather than the, rather than the human flesh. Again, we mentioned earlier when when, when, Rav Glad, when he brings Rav Glasner, he's not sure Rav Glasner is correct about this, but Rav Mital apparently was at least sympathetic to this view, at least at least in theory, maybe even in practice, that cannibalism is just such a moral abomination, even though the formal issue of eating human flesh may not be so bad. Again, we pointed out that, that uh, once a person died, it's more usser. It still not, might not be as usser as pork. Some summary showed him say it's not. Some posts can say it's not so usser. Okay, but we have this very provocative position of Rav Glasner in the Doravi and Rav Yaakov as recorded in Emes Lyakov that, uh, that there's such a thing as a kind of uh, a natural sense of morality as being, uh, as being overriding and being more important sometimes in a formal halacha. I should mention also that this ties in to another Another, dis- another p- position, apparently, of Rabbi Yaakov, where he disagreed with, actually, the Lev Avram, Rav Weinfeld. 
I don't have precise sources for this. I have related sources, but the, the question is, this actually is a fairly common question. The question is, let's say you have a Jew, not so religious, not so observant, doesn't really keep mitzvahs, and there's a choice. He'll, he, he may end up marrying or having a girlfriend who's Jewish, or he may end up marrying, having a girlfriend who is non-Jewish. And you may have some influence over him. Maybe you have the ability to direct him one way or another, to encourage or discourage one of these two possibilities. What is preferable for this Jew to marry a Jew or a non-Jew? Now, obviously, intermarriage is a terrible, terrible thing, so why, sh- why wouldn't we want him to end up with a Jew? The answer is, there's a very strong argument that can be made against having him end up with a Jew, because if he's not observant and he's not keeping Taras and Mishpacha, every act of intimacy with his Jewish partner, when she's a Nida, is a terrible Isser, an Isser of Karas, not keeping the laws of Nida. Some of Nida is Drabanan, certain things are Drabanan, but not going to the Mikvah, not keeping the laws of Nida, is a terrible Isser, an Isser Karas. Non-Jews don't have the Isser of Nida. So, it's an Isser of intermarriage, but formally speaking, intermarriage is a less serious Isser, in terms of the, the Onesh, in terms of the level of Isser, even though the Nevi'im talk about what a terrible thing it is, Baal, Basel, Mechar, the whole story in Parshas Balak and Pinchas, Hashem is very upset about intermarriage, but on, at the end of the day, intermarriage, formally speaking, is not as stringent an Isser as the Isser of Nida. So the Lev Avram is reputed to have said that we, we, we don't follow our feelings when it comes to halacha, when it comes to praxis and how we act, we follow the, the halacha. If the halacha is that Nida is a more serious Isser than, than intermarriage, then we promote, uh, then, then, then it, would be better to, it would be better to have him do uh, a non-Jew, the Nida. Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky is said to have strongly rejected this, and he says there's more to weighing the enormity of different averis than the formal, the formal categories and punishments. Clearly, someone who understands the values of the Torah understands that intermarriage, even though formally speaking the prohibition is not as severe, is, a mu- is, is much more of a horrendous thing than the Nida, and therefore that, that's the correct answer. Again, this is similar to Rabbi Yaakov's position about the cannibalism, that we don't always look at the formal definition of how serious an Isser is. We look at moral questions, religious value questions. We, we decide which Isser is worse, not just based on the, the very narrow formal criteria. On the other hand, the Gemara and Poskim are full of questions by analyzing Yisurim based on formal, formal parameters, lav, asay, karis, no karis. So th- this doctrine of Rabbi Yaakov, which he's somewhat consistent in both these attitudes, is, uh, it's intuitively appealing, it's, it may be an attractive idea, but it's very provocative, the idea that we have, certainly the, the Rabbi Yaakov on cannibalism, that, 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 we, that we bring in non-halachic or extra-halachic considerations, an intuitive sense of natural morality, can be more important and, and it's better to eat chazer than do something that's intuitively morally problematic. I find a, a deeply provocative and deeply troubling thing to say, but again, the Doravi and Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky, two great Kedolei Torah of the last century or two, this is apparently what they held. It would be interesting to see who, who actually agrees or disagrees. I, I found various contemporary writers who expressed discomfort with this position, lesser figures, but I, I'm curious as to whether there is possibly the Lev Avram, but aside from the Lev Avram, can we find other major Gedolei Torah who explicitly reject both the specific rulings in, in, at hand here, as well as the general attitude that, 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 that we have to make halachic decisions based not strictly on formal halachic rules, but on these uh, more nebulous or more, more, more fundamental, according to them, principles of uh, natural morality, or even uh, Torah value morality, as opposed to the formal halachic rules, formal halachic categories that we would normally apply.